Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, the number one ranked entrepreneurship podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and those aspiring to be so. The aim of this show is to showcase the world's most inspiring and interesting people who've decided to screw it, just do it. We offer 20% inspiration and 80% education, giving you the tools and advice to start, grow, and scale a successful business. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, podcast agency owner with a number one podcast and startup advisor to global startup generator and early stage VC, Antler. Each week, I release two episodes, a Q&A every Wednesday with one of the world's most inspiring figures, plus a solo episode every Saturday where I cover the challenges that all of us are facing as entrepreneurs. Welcome to episode 223 of Screw It, Just Do It with me, Alex, your host. And on today's show, I'm diving back to chat to Chris Ducker from Upreneur. Now, in the times that we're currently living in, last few episodes, I have brought you um, some really useful tools and inspiring story from past episodes that I think are relevant in this time that I think can help you um, get through it. And I was looking back at past episodes, looking at past books, utilizing the time. And I think Chris Ducker's book, which is entitled Rise of the Youpreneur, The Definitive Guide to Becoming the Go-To Leader in Your Industry and Building a Future-Proof Business was really relevant, especially the last part, building a future-proof business. How many people want to do that in the current time? Everyone should have their hand up. Everybody wants to have a future-proof business. So I thought I would get this episode back up. For those of you, again, it's a couple of years old. For those of you um, who haven't heard it before, who haven't dived all that way into the back catalogue, and I know we've got a lot of new listeners to the show as of January 2020. Um, Chris was someone we were hoping to have at the Festival of Enterprise as well as one of our headline speakers. But unfortunately, we, you know, we don't know when that event's going to take place. We've put it back to July 7th, 8th. We don't know if that's going to happen. Nobody knows at the moment um, with everything that's going on in the world. But let's hope it does. Um, if not, we have another event at the NEC in Birmingham, October 7th, 8th as well, um, which I will be there. So a couple of things to point you in, in the direction of um, if you um, were signed up to go to the Festival of Enterprise, we are running uh, hourly webinars um, with people like uh, Chris, uh, Piers Linney, uh, Lord Billamoria. Um, so offering owners of businesses, um, entrepreneurs, valuable advice, how they can access this government funding, etc. Um, so I think this is a really relevant episode. Chris, you know, is a serial entrepreneur. Um, he's very well known in the industry, um, been featured in many publications such as Forbes, Inc., etc. And um, has written a number of best-selling books. I've had him on the show a couple of times now. Um, I've been speaking to him regularly around the event. And I personally think this is a, a really relevant episode for you to listen to. Um, and it was also the inspiration for my new Facebook group, which is called Podpreneur, which is for entrepreneurs who want a podcast. So if you haven't already yet and you want to learn a new skill, want to launch a podcast, head on over to Facebook groups. 
check out Podpreneur and I will let you in. We're doing daily uh, live trainings on there. Uh, love to help you uh, join the group as well. So um, without further ado, I will let Chris pick up his book, Rise of the Upreneur. Well, I think the big thing for me was that, you know, I, I had been I've been working uh, pretty much as an exclusive consultant for an infomercial business in in Miami uh, for a couple of years, and I had I just had enough, man. You know, like you you come back from a from a month in Miami, you should be happy. You spent a month in Miami. Miami's great to hang out in. Um, and away from the business side of things, the guy I was working with and for was actually a very nice bloke, very very nice guy. You know, we're talking floor seats at the Miami Heat games. Uh, you know, uh, uh, concerts to you know concert tickets to Prince's pre Super Bowl game and all the rest of it. So we had a great time. But the moment we went into work mode, it, it would it was just a nightmare. And I was literally on an airplane on my way back to the Philippines from Miami, 37,000 feet in the air. And I turn around and I say, I'm done. And I grab a hold of my laptop and I start typing out a quick email to the guy to let him know that I'm going to be wrapping up the month and that's that. I hit the send button when we landed in Hong Kong with the most ridiculously fast airport Wi-Fi, best airport Wi-Fi on the planet. Um, and uh, kind of never looked back. Within three weeks, I, would, I was already setting up the new consultancy here. Uh, within three months, we'd hired our first 20 or so staff. Uh, now we fast forward into 2018, three different companies under one umbrella 450 or so employees, uh, huge, obviously, online web platform and profile, uh, personal brand being built out of it, best-selling book, and all the rest of it. So, mm. you know, if I hadn't, if, if I hadn't, see, this is always the thing. You talk to any entrepreneur, there is that moment, and it's such a good question to ask, is it because it's always different from yeah. one person to another. And you can always learn what the triggers are, I think, in someone's head. For me... I was just done making money for other people. Yeah, it's, you know, because honestly, I'm a good sales and marketing pro. That's that's what I've always done, and so I was making this guy a ton of money, and I was doing okay out of it. Don't get me wrong, but I could have been doing a whole lot better if I was focused in on my own things. And so that's exactly what I did. And honestly, I've never looked back ever, ever. Awesome. That funnily enough, I was just having that. Very similar conversation with somebody yesterday who is looking to uh, start her own hair extension business. So girl out on her own doing it, gone down from five days a week to three days a week. And the conversation was, it's actually costing me money to go into my regular job because I know I can make more money on, our, on my own. How do I make that leap? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, such a, it's such a great position to be in. And I think ultimately there will, there will come a time where that realization is so strong and so obvious to you that you do exactly that. You make the leap mm. and you might make a little less for, you know, a very short period of time, you know, overall, but you know that because of the fact that you're focused hundred percent in on what it is you really want to be doing, the energy will be there. The enthusiasm will be there. The passion will be there. And quite frankly, all those things, are as you well know alex they are you know they're the stable diet for any successful entrepreneur mm. and what would you say chris for somebody who's fighting that fear about becoming the person known as for example the, the hair extensions lady whatever that might turn out to be 
Well, one thing I can tell you for sure is that nothing amazing ever happens inside your comfort zone. Yeah. That I know for sure. And so, you know, if, if you are, you know, if you're scared of risk, if you're scared of change, if you're fearful of failure, then, you know, the, the chances are you're never going to be a successful entrepreneur. Uh, you have to understand and appreciate the fact that there is a certain amount of risk in everything that you do from an entrepreneurial perspective. Every product you launch, every service you, you, you know, you start, um, every event that you hold, every book that you write and market. I mean, there's always a risk that people en masse won't, won't need or want what you've got. But if you're smart about it and you validate it enough, um, and you find out that there are enough people within your immediate circle that can then spread the word to their immediate circle and so on and so on and so on about your fantastic hair extension business, then at the end of the day, you know, you're more likely to do better than not. Mm. And what did it feel like for yourself when you decided to write your, your first book, which was a, a bestseller, Virtual Freedom? Was that going outside of your comfort zone? No, actually it wasn't because I'd always wanted to write a business book. I'd always wanted to be traditionally published and have the whole kind of romancing, you know, of, of, of different publishers chasing me and all that kind of type of thing. And we, we actually pitched that to 16 different publishing houses in the US. We had four offers on it, which is wow, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you take into consideration the four hour work week was turned down 20 odd times <laughs> before Tim got the deal. I mean, that's pretty, you know, pr pretty huge right there. So I, uh, I wasn't outside of my comfort zone. I, I'd done a lot of writing on my blog. Obviously I'd been, uh, when did I get the deal late 2012? So I'd already been blogging and podcasting almost three years at that point. Um, and I was very, very comfortable in my skin as somebody who knew what they were talking about on the subject of, you know, team building and, and delegation from a virtual uh, remote staffing perspective. I was I was pumped. I was happy. I didn't feel that way by the time I turned the manuscript in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure. Oh, my gosh. The book almost bloody killed me. But, I mean, it was um, – it was it was much much harder work writing the book than I thought it would be, um, and then the real work begins, quite frankly, and that's the marketing side of it. Mm. Um, you know, I, I had no idea that I was going to have to spend as much time uh, behind it as I initially kind of envisioned, um, but uh, it became pretty obvious to me pretty early on. Um, in the kind of finalization of the manus manuscript stage that the publishers weren't going to do a whole lot of PR for me. So I'd have to start leaning on the contacts that I had and reaching out to the influencer buddies that I had made and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And luckily, you know, I'd gotten to the position within a few very short years of, you know, making sure that I was, you know, invited to the right parties and mm -hmm. I got to meet the right people and I spent enough time Quite frankly, you know, obviously, I, I mean, I spent a lot of time in the U.S. in those three years. Um, it certainly helped when, you know, a lot of my corporate clients at my my offline businesses are U.S. based. So I would be in the U.S. quite frequently throughout the year, usually three, maybe sometimes four times a year within that that time period. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, if there was an industry conference going on or a mastermind or a meetup or whatever, I would always make sure I hung out and, and sort of got to know, you know, the right people. And with your second book, 
the rise of the Upana, how how long did it take you to come up with the idea for the book and, and how different was it in, in executing it, having done it already once before? Yeah, great question. Totally different. Really? In terms of the execution this time, mm. totally different. Look, I, there's no point in making mistakes unless you learn from them. Um, and I can tell you very, very confidently that I don't make the same mistake twice. I just don't do it. Mm. And so um, in terms of coming up with the idea – I mean, it all came out of the community, Alex, of which you obviously a member of you, you yeah. know what it's like in there. It's very vibrant. Mm. Um, you know, the support, the accountability is absolutely off the charts. Um, and in the first year or so of the community being up and running, um, I had, I had, you know, my team and myself making a lot of notes on a lot of the discussion points that were coming up. Um, and these are people that are, you know, ultimately building businesses uh, around their passions and the people that they want to work with and their personal brand entrepreneurs, you know, that that's, that's yeah. what they're doing. And so, you know, a lot of the stuff was, was coming from a whole bunch of different people. And it was, you know, it just kept repeating and repeating and repeating. There's an issue. There's that issue again. Whoop! there's that issue again. And so we just started making notes of everything that people needed help with. Um, and slowly but surely, this roadmap started to develop um, based around building marketing and monetizing your business. Mm. And then we just kind of started filling out the, you know, filling in rather the gaps along those three sections. And before I knew it was happening, I, I mean, I had the chapter list for the book, literally by the end, by the end of, I'm going to say by the end of 2016. So it was only really a year, just over a year that the community is up and running going into 2017. I knew I was going to start work on the book. Um, and uh, this time around, I was going to do it much, much differently than the first time around. With Virtual Freedom, I sat and typed out every single word in that book. Um, with Rise of the Upener, I've done it much differently. I hired an editor to ultimately interview me. Uh, we did about 12 to 13 hours of interviews. We had those interviews transcribed. And then you know, we went to work turning it into a book consumable, digestible kind of format. I see. Um, That's a very efficient yeah. way of doing things, Chris. And I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was, it, was quite, it was quite a strange procedure for me, though, because, I mean, as a podcaster, I have no problems talking. Mm. You know, like I'd rather talk than type, yeah. quite frankly. So at first, I was quite, in, in, you know, quite enthused about it. I was like, this could be great. I'm going to have to like, do nothing. <laughs> if, hell, if this works, I could do a book a year sort of type thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Didn't quite work out that way because, I mean, when you talk, you talk in, in a conversational type tone, obviously. Mm. That doesn't transcribe very well into written words. And so we, we did have to spend a lot of time actually reworking it. And we, we cut out entire chunks of text, like 5,000 words just gone on the edit floor, um, you know, over the course of, you know, six months or so. But uh, mm. the book's wrapped up um, around July. It went to design end of July. And uh, we were very, very lucky to be able to get it all done and finished so that we could do a little soft launch at the Upana Summit in London in November, where we gave out about 400 copies or so to the people there. And that's your now annual summit in, in London? Yes. Yes, every November. And I'm so proud of it. So, okay. so proud of it. Mm. I mean, Adam, anyone that knows me knows that I'm a very, very proud Brit. 
very proud. And you know what? It, it's holding an event like that in my hometown in the Queen Elizabeth II Convention Center right opposite Westminster Abbey. I mean, it was a dream come true, quite frankly. Um, and uh, to be very honest, I uh, when, when we were closing up the event, I was on stage in front of these 400 people from 37 countries around the world. <laughs> I, I choked up for the first time in my career on stage. Uh, as a speaker, I choked up and mm. kind of had to compose myself a little bit. Come on, Ducker, sort yourself out. No, <laughs> there's no mad tears on this stage kind yeah. of thing. Um, but I did. I choked up a little bit, and I just, I just sort of, I caught myself and you know, kind of soldiered, th- soldiered through it. But um, it was because I gave a damn, quite frankly, is because I genuinely was very proud of what we'd achieved. And man, we were just getting warmed up last year. This year is going to be crazy. <laughs> I was going to say, like, so it's, um, demand outran supply, did it not? You, you sold out really early, especially for uh, yeah, we did. We yeah. were we were sold out four months before the event Unreal. took place. Mm. Um, and the issue was the way that we had kind of marketed and sold the event, even though the venue could have actually. Uh, handled another 300 or so people in in the space that we had rented. Um, Unfortunately, the way that we had marketed the event meant that we were using round kind of cabaret style tables. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And so we we maxed it. We just maxed out. You know, we just – honestly, I didn't think – when we first put the, you know, the website up and we started marketing, I was like to my whole team, I said, if we can get 200 people, that would be incredible. Yeah. Yeah. 200 people mm. and we almost doubled it it was extraordinary the, num- the number of countries is unbelievable chris 37 yeah, <sighs> yeah wow. we had we had 60 or so people come in from america did you so it, wow. it just goes to show you you know but what i really loved about it though more than anything else was that the people that i've gotten to know through my workshops through my coaching and my mentoring in the uk in the last seven eight years or so they showed up. Mm. And that for me was really, really important because, you know, I validated this as a business move. I didn't just say, hey, let's go and put on an event and spend tens of thousands of dollars on one of the most beautiful venues in town. No, I didn't do that. I validated the hell out of this thing from roundtable mastermind events to larger workshops to, mar- you know, like. I think the largest event I've ever done in the UK up to this point was 80 people. Yeah. Um, and I explicitly remember saying to them as a group, if I put on a big event in London at some point in the near future, would you all come? And they all said yes. So, you know, I mean, and they're already at one of my events. And they backed it so up. So I vowed that. <laughs> they really, they showed up. Alex, they showed up and I, and I love and respect them so, so much for that. Um, and it actually made, you know, it, it, it made the event easier for me to know that there was that, you know, that kind of whatever it was, 20, 30% or so of the group kind of knew me and what I was about already. Um, and you must've known uh, a lot of those stories as well, Chris, uh, given through the Uprinter community and masterminds, et cetera. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Mm. And so this is happening again, November 2018. It is. If anybody's interested, they can head over to youpreneursummit.com. Right now, there's just a wait list up there, but we'll be launching first round of public tickets probably around the end of March. Awesome. And and in the book, you mention creating, first of all, defining who you are yourself uh, as a youpreneur and then defining who, who your customer avatar is. So, uh, mm-hmm. a question to yourself is 
who is a youpreneur. Right. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's get that figured out first of all, shall yeah. we? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, who is a youpreneur? What is a youpreneur? You know, whatever way you want to put it. Mm. But in a nutshell, a youpreneur is somebody who builds a business based around you, your expertise, your you know, personality, what you stand for, what you want to be known for, and the people that you want to serve. And that's what a youpreneur is. So it's people like content creators, um, coaches, authors, speakers, consultants, small business owners, you know, freelancers, all you know, people genuinely that are building a business based around them. Okay. And in, in your eyes, who would be the best exponents of that in the world today? Well, I mean, honestly, I don't think there's one group of people that could do it any better than anyone else. I think, in fact, actually, I would, I would beg to hopefully con convert everyone to thinking that they must build some kind of a personal brand yeah. around themselves. You know what I mean? Even if you're not an entrepreneur, even if you're not working for yourself, even if you're building a career, it pays to have uh, a good handle on your reputation and on your brand. And I mean, your brand is your reputation and your reputation is what people say about you when you're not you know, around, right? Like when you're not at the dinner party or at that coffee meeting or at the conference or that networking event, when you're not around, what do you want people to say about you? That's your reputation. That's your brand right there. Yeah. And so, you know, understanding being, you know, being as self-aware as you possibly can be in terms of your strengths and your weaknesses, understanding how you can turn those strengths into products and services to be able to sell to people that you want to be able to work with and, and affect change in and, and inspire and motivate themselves. Um, and really, I, I don't think, honestly, I don't think there's one kind of group of people that could do this better than others. I mean, you're inside the community. You see it. We've got everything from dentists to business coaches to, um, you know, ministry leaders to, you know, <laughs> authors. I mean, the the, the, the plethora of, of different types of industries and, and professional careers is ridiculous. And it, and it just gets more and more ridiculous with every passing month. I mean, some of the stuff I see in there just kind of scratches my head. But clearly, it works. And the reason why it works is because, you know, the business of you, as I call it in the book, mm. is made up of those three very distinct sections of building, marketing, and monetizing. So if you come into the book and you've already got a little bit of a brand built up and your website's doing well and you're already just starting to build your email list and you've got your social media sorted out, you don't need the build section. Skip to page 80 something. Yeah. You know what I mean? So even though it is the definitive guide and it is that kind of manual that you can go from cover to cover and learn how to build this profitable business model based around your personal brand, you don't need to read the whole thing if you're already hopping and skip ahead, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and going back to someone kind of like at the start of that journey, um, what would your advice be on how they find their audience um, and, and working out how to deliver your expertise to that audience? Well, I think it comes down to, look, this is the way I look at it. You've got to figure out what you want to be known for first. Mm. And then what happens is something actually quite incredible happens. You start creating content. That's what you must do if you want to, you know, start building a brand for yourself in, in this world nowadays. So 
whether you're blogging or podcasting or putting stuff up on YouTube or just building out, you know, an, an Instagram platform or whatever the case may be, you've got to start creating content. Now, when you first start doing that, you're creating content that you think people want to hear and see from you. Now, that's the key word there, yeah. think, because you don't really know. You're kind of fumbling around in the mm. dark a bit. But then three, four, five, six months later on, when you've built a little bit of an audience, when you've been consistently providing value, what will happen is the magic moment will take place where they start coming to you with requests and feedback and they start opening up to you with and building rapport and trust. And they're telling you what their problems are and what they're struggling with. And that's when you can then start creating content that you know they need from mm. you. And at that point, serving that audience and growing that audience becomes so, so much easier. So it starts, like I said, with the self-awareness side of things, but then also understand that you've got to show up every single week, just like you do on this show, every single week, provide value to your audience, make sure that you open up your ears and listen to them when they talk to you, write notes down, figure out how you can help them. And then further down the line in that roadmap of the business of you, the monetization comes around and at that point, you start solving real problems, problems that ultimately when you provide those solutions to them, they've got a price tag attached to them. Mm. Yeah. And is it as true today or if you could go back, actually, get so many questions asked about this. Is there a specific platform that you would go on to first to deliver that content or do you think it's just do something, just deliver something consistently? Yeah, I, I mean – the problem with the question like that is that these platforms change yeah. so ridiculously yeah. frequently, right? Mm. Um, and, you know, the, the big thing for me, and I talk about it in the book, is not to build your online home on rented land. Mm. So nothing gives me the willies more than someone building out a huge Facebook group for their community or a big YouTube channel or a massive Instagram account or whatever. You don't own that stuff. That can be ripped away from you at any time with zero notice and then you've lost your business. So be smart about it. Get your own domain. Start producing your own content there. Um, and and ultimately, you know, you'll you'll be a lot safer, right, in the, in the long run. But, I mean, look, things change so much all the time. For me personally, uh, I, I think we're, we're delving into the realms now of video. I mean, it's it's not like this is the year of video because every year is the year of video. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like we're kind of delving into the realms of more and more video being created. Google released a report middle of last year where they said something like 90% of all online content by the year 2020 that's two years from now, is going to be video content. So, you know, you've got to wake up and see that stuff. Trends generally aren't, aren't misses when it comes to this sort of type of thing. Mm. Um, but, but you know, the good thing about video is you, you can start creating content in video and then you can start repurposing it from there. So you've got a 45-minute video that, that, you know, you end up putting up on YouTube as long-form content. You can rip the audio, turn that into an audio podcast. Yeah, You can yeah. transcribe it, turn it into a blog post. You, you know, there's so much you can do with video as being the, the initial piece of content being created. Whereas if you're writing a blog post, you know, it's a, it's a lot more harder work to repurpose that into all those different types of mediums, you know? Yeah, no, no, 
really good advice. Um, and, and coming back to the book itself and, and the, the Upreneur, um idea, how, how long did it take you to, to come up with the, the initial concept? And then more importantly, how did you then craft that idea into being able to market and monetize and, and reach out and help so many other people that are out there? Well, I mean, it came to me mid-2014. Uh, that was when I kind of coined you know, the, the term, Youpreneur. Mm. Uh, but we didn't actually launch the community until September 2015. So about a year and a bit or so of kind of, you know, again, validating, talking to people, uh, talking about it as a concept. Um, and I mean, when we launched in September, we had over 200 people join the community within a 48 hour period. Um, but we had done a lot of buzz building in that three, four months prior to that coming up, uh, or that launch taking place. So, you know, I sound like a lot, but we'd put in a lot of energy to get to that point. Um, but clearly, you know, we validated it and, and it worked very, very well. Um, in terms of, you know, monetizing it now, this is, this is what I love about this particular space in regards to the personal brand business model is it, it evolves with you. You know, one minute you might be really passionate about coming up with online courses to fill the gaps in your market. And, you know, next year you might be focused more on live events or writing books or speaking on stage. So, you know, in the book, we call it the Youpreneur ecosystem, where, you know, there's a number of different income models that can ultimately support the growth of a personal brand business model. Mm. Um, and I mean, you know, the perfect world means that you're doing a little bit of everything in some way, shape or form. But you know what? You, you start, you know, really, honestly, the easiest way to monetize the personal brand business model is to sell coaching, mentoring and consulting services. Uh, people will pay for your time and your expertise and to gain that expertise for themselves more so today than they ever have done. That's kind of like the lowest hanging fruit yeah. for anybody that's got a personal brand business model is, is that coaching and mentoring. And another one of your areas of expertise, I know, Chris, um, hiring. So if you are a youpreneur who is starting out with a personal brand, what would you be thinking to scale that business? What would be the first hire that would make the, the biggest difference in your business? I think the first hire would probably be some sort of a general uh, virtual assistant or an executive assistant, something along those lines. Somebody that can help me run my day and make sure that I'm doing, you know, what I should be doing mm. as the business owner and not the stuff that I particularly maybe enjoy doing or that I'm good at. See, that's that's kind of the biggest thing with us entrepreneurs is a lot of the time we struggle to let go. We struggle to relinquish certain things. Um, and, you know, a lot of the time we might be very good at those things. We might really enjoy doing those things. But the bigger question is, should we actually be doing them? Mm. You know what I mean? Great question. And I look at, mm. you know, I, I, I look at someone like Sir Richard Branson and I, I say to myself, there's no way in the world that guy would have been anywhere close to what he is today if he hadn't have just let go of the reins and delegated like a madman, yeah. plain and simple. And he talks about it all the time, surrounding himself with the best people, people that can't do the jobs that he struggles or, or rather can do the jobs that he struggles with and can't do. And I love that about him. And, and, and I think one of the biggest quotes, and I may paraphrase this a little bit here from him, one of the best quotes on, on hiring and, and, and staff management that I've ever heard from 
from Richard is something along the lines of you want to train people so well that they could leave tomorrow, mm. but you want to treat them so well that they never want to. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, isn't it? Love it. How good is that? I mean, if you're going to build your business on any one quote, you build it on that one because your people are your business, right? Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, And I know you're a busy man, so what I thought would be really useful would be to kind of finish on an exercise that people could could take action on and what i really liked one of the things you you mentioned in in your book is is writing your own obituary and i thought maybe you could just explain that to the audience and give them something to do <laughs> sure sure well, give, give them something to do something positive to yeah do here. i mean <laughs> ultimately you know the the whole kind of obituary writing thing. Um, it actually came came about. I was working with a coach myself uh, many years ago, and he. I remember he turned around and he said to me, uh, "You know, where do you see yourself in ten years? Where do you see your business in ten years?" Um, and you know, so I started kind of just making notes and plotting things down. Well, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be working with these kind of people. I'm going to be making this kind of money, uh, et cetera, et cetera. He said, no, 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 go deeper, Mm. go deeper, think legacy, think, you know, and then the term came out, write your business obituary. You're, you're done. Your business is dead. How do you want it to be remembered? And so that at the very core of that exercise is exactly what, it, 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 you know, that's exactly what it is. What kind of legacy do you want your business to have? You know, what, how do you want people to talk about it when you're not around? How do you want it to be remembered? Um, and, you know, it, this this came about, and I talk about it in this chapter of the book where um, a little while ago we were buying a house in the UK, in, in, in Cambridge actually. And after we purchased the place and, and you know, we had take ownership, my daughter went in and she started snapping photos of all the empty rooms. Um, and then she came back to me about three or four days later with all these PowerPoint uh, documents mm. uh, or keynote documents. And she was, it shows you how old I am. I use keynote and I still call it PowerPoint. That's, <laughs> that's just, there you go. But she came back to me with all this, uh, all these kind of collages of, of the bedroom and then the kitchen and there's a bathroom and the kid's room and all this stuff. And I said, what are you doing? She goes, I'm working on my vision boards. Ah. And, I, and I was like, what the hell's a vision board? You know? And she kind of, you know, had to explain it. This is the millennial crowd. Yeah. And, you know, they do these things. Um, and, and so, you know, what she was doing is she was planning the perfect house for us. Um, and I loved that. And it yeah. got me thinking more about the business obituary side of things. So basically, in, you know, long-winded answer, it's really about getting as deep as you can. You've built your business. You've done everything you could have done with it. How do you want it to be remembered? Such a powerful exercise. Mm. And to finish, Chris, what would you like people to take away from your story and and what impact um, would you like to leave? Well, for me, I just want to empower entrepreneurs and, you know, wannapreneurs, entrepreneurial types to understand that the more of them they put into their business, the more successful it's going to be. There can't be any smoke and mirrors here. You've got to be you all the time. People want to do business with other people, real people. And I think that if you if you build the business of you, at the end of the day, regardless of whatever crowded niche or industry that you're in, 
it actually ends up being 100% original because of the fact that you are bang smack in the middle of it all. Awesome. And when the book is published, which should be right about now, um, where is the easiest place for people to get hold of a copy, Chris? Well, I mean, Amazon is probably the easiest place to buy any book nowadays, right? So just yeah. go, just go to Amazon there. and search for either my name or Rise of the Upreneur. You'll be able to see it. But if you wanted to uh, a nice, you know, nice quick, easy website, it's upreneur.com forward slash book. Awesome. And, and for people to, to meet you and see you live would be November in London. Yeah, can't wait to do that again. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's awesome. Chris Ducker, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on again, mate. Appreciate it. If you found value in this free podcast, all I ask is that you tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social tagging me in the screw it, just do it hashtag. But if you do, I promise to give you a shout out on a future episode and you have my eternal thanks. I'm at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook plus at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. Alongside the Screw It, Just Do It Facebook page, this houses the Screw It, Just Do It community and has the most up-to-date information on all things Screw It, Just Do It, including all of our live events. I love hearing from you. If you either message me on LinkedIn or email alex at screwitjustdoit.org, I promise to reply. Just give me a little time. <laughs>